from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. I uh, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I may be done with this dumb game we call tennis. <laughs> now, here's why. One reason. Well, yeah, it's just <laughs> the one. We are, I think, we are so far away from being the sport of ladies and gentlemen that I don't know that we can get back. Well, and it's funny because I get, I hear stories, and I've, you always have heard stories about bad behavior on the court. You know, we've, you, you've seen it, I've seen it, you coach, I coach. But it does seem like those stories are getting more frequent and maybe worse. And it seems like every time the to- topic comes up, everybody's got a story. Like every once in a while, you might, somebody might say, yeah, I've never really had an issue, I've never had it. But now it's like everybody has a story, and maybe it's just because I've been in it longer, but it seems like... Even somebody was telling me they were out for a couple of years with injury, and they're like, I came back, and it seemed like it's gotten a lot less friendly than it used to be, <laughs> which is really depressing, to be honest. Well, the, the, the notion is, is that we're more like golf on paper. Yeah, we're always lumped in with golf like from, since the beginning. But that, that, that gap is spreading. Right. You know, um, I think golf is sort of maintaining that feel or that mentality and tennis is just going further and further and further away from it or farther. Yeah. I think we're, by the way, you've explained that difference <laughs> to me 57 times and I have no further, idea. Um, further. Cause it's not actual distance. Oh, it's not a real distance. Yeah. It's a metaphorical distance. Right. Um, so this chair is farther away from me than you. Right. Yes. <laughs> but Nothing could be... F- All right, forget it. I <laughs> got... I got the truth. There you go. Um, well, and I think the only, the edge that, ten- that tennis has over golf is we're maybe a little more progressive, a little more, you know, innovative, that kind of thing. But I think... In, and I'm not saying that's the reason why we have more of these issues, but I think that that's the positive in terms of us related to golf, and this is the negative. Well, I think... The country club aspect may be where it started. Upper class kind of sports may have, have be where the whole idea started. But one thing golf has done is maintained it even outside the country club. And I think even their quote unquote, um, you know, intro program for kids, which episodes, I don't know how many episodes back, we did a little bit of a a comparison on on the different characteristics um, that the first T program, you know, um, inculcated. Right. Yes. <laughs> got my, got it out of the way early in this episode. No more big words. I don't think good. Um, <laughs> but the 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 characteristics that the first T program inculcates in children um, that are part of that. We did we we talked about that. And on the tennis side, they don't do that. Yeah, and, and I'm as guilty as anyone is that I spend 99% of my time coaching how to play tennis. I don't coach, you know, how to behave, how to shake hands with your opponent, how to, you know, interact with your opponent, that kind of thing, as much as I should. Now, if I, will, I see somebody doing something they shouldn't, I will right. obviously correct it. I will say the one difference is, is once you have a ball in play in tennis, there is no downtime. Right. Golf is full of downtime. You could be on the range with a, a a bucket of 50 balls and your in-between time is dramatically longer than your actual hitting the ball time. Right. And so it's just a little bit easier to um you know to sort of implement those things. Uh but but t- I think tennis should re you know get back to maybe or 
in emphasizing some some things like that. Well, and what you know brought this whole thing up in our mind recently was you know a while back this Korean golfer on the well, PGA Tour. I mean, Kyrgios started it. <laughs> True. I mean, he's not the only one, obviously, throughout history, uh, but within the recent context of this podcast, he is. Well, and he, in terms of tennis, certainly brings that topic up weekly. Right. But in terms of yeah, how it compares to golf, there was this Korean golfer named Bio Kim. That sounds like a college uh, class. Um, got suspended for three years. First offense, three years. I think he gave a middle finger to the crowd during a golf tournament. Um, and by the way, did that and apologized right after um, and got a three-year suspension. Right. Whereas Kario spits at an umpire, cusses at him, and he got probation. Right. So even at, at the highest level, which is not really the level we're talking about necessarily, but the highest level, the penalties were, are way harsher in golf if you do anything considered inappropriate or uncivilized or whatever you want to say. Right. Well, the idea generally is the same between the two sports. Right. So in golf, no one can see if you address a golf ball, and I don't mean write your home address (laughs) on the ball, but you you, you stand up to the ball, put your club... You know, in position to be to you know as you're about to hit, and you accidentally just a slightest tap. If the ball moves, that's a stroke, right? So you hit it one, you bump it, touch it one millimeter forward or side any direction, right? One millimeter, that's a stroke, and that's even if you move something around it that makes the ball move. I'm not going to get into all that. I don't know the <laughs> rules. I just know that from the movie we were just discussing. I see, Tin Cup. Uh, However, the point being, if if you do that and it's that slight of a move, almost no one can tell. Most of the time, nobody can tell except right. you. So it is 100% incumbent upon you, two words in one, <laughs> incumbent upon you to make the call on yourself. And it seems like, I mean, there could be a ton of guys out there that aren't doing it that we don't, obviously, if nobody ever saw it, we don't know. Right, right. But the perception is, is that the vast majority of incidences, incidences that that occur like that, they are called on themselves by the guys. I mean, I watched a YouTube video, Phil Mickelson, who hit a ball off the tee box and right after he hit it, he was like... He, he what he did is the tee box had some tall grass sort of right at the front edge of the tee box and so if you have a lower trajectory it was going to hit that bush or grass right. or whatever it was and so he walked up and kind of swished it down a little bit so so he wouldn't make contact with it right and he steps just nonchalantly no thought about it whatsoever right right after he hits the tee shot clearing the grass not hitting any grass he turned to his caddy or somebody and said i don't know if that was legal <laughs> and so he calls an official over he does all this stuff and and the marshal whoever they come and then he dri- the official drives off in a golf cart to go find <laughs> out from the head whatever i don't right. know how it all works and came back and said uh yeah that's a stroke yeah or whatever his, his penalty was and he just took it right now is he on tv and therefore he knows somebody will see it eventually maybe but still, he immediately recognized, wait a second, I think what I just did might be illegal and and immediately wanted a ruling and and there you have it. Well, and I'll give you a, a clear comparison to that to tennis. When somebody runs for a ball and it bounces twice and they hit it back, almost never does the player who ran for it say that it bounced twice. Unless it's absurdly obvious. Right. So well, a lot of times. So what you're saying is your racket's down low at the ground level right. as you're running, trying to get it before it hits that second bounce. And a lot of times, it's virtually impossible to tell. Yeah, but the person, the person hitting it, I think you know, as the person hitting it, ninety nine percent of the time, maybe not that high, but a very high percentage, you know. And if I don't know, I probably don't deserve the point. Right. Uh, I have to give my opponent the benefit. But but what I mean is, you almost never see a professional player 
surrender a point on their own. Meaning uh, if I touch the net, if I hit a ball out that nobody calls, and now you have the challenge system that takes a little bit of the way. Yeah. The most famous that I can think of is obviously Fernando Gonzalez, the ball touching his racket, and he said it didn't touch his racket. Right. And lost the point. I mean, and what I hate is the uproar in golf would be monumental if somebody did that. I feel like in tennis, it was like, well, why would he admit it? He'd lose the point. Like, it's like we defend people for right. playing to win. Like, oh, he was trying to win. Of course, he's not going to call it out on himself. So I think there are two things. And I've had opponents get mad at me for calling balls out on myself, too, by the our partners, I mean, in yeah. doubles. Right, right. Well, so there's, I think there's two factors that tennis has that golf doesn't that may lend itself, at the professional level particularly, that lend itself maybe to that sense. The first is you're playing against someone. Right. So it is head-to-head, and it's like, if I don't get it, you're going to get it. If I don't get it, you're going to get it. (laughs) Right. Whereas golf, you're quote-unquote playing against the course or yourself. And so it's literally you playing 70-something shots However, you know, me, 120 <laughs> shots. Um, I'm not kidding. <laughs> On the front nine. Not kidding at all. <laughs> no, trust me. I, I am right there with you. So it, it, so there's a little bit of a difference that it's like you are cheating the world. You are cheating the universe even, all morality, because it's only you and the golf ball and the course, even though other people are involved, but it's still not a head-to-head right. uh, type of situation. Whereas in tennis, it's head-to-head, and there's that, that, that sense. The other, so how, what do you think, I mean, does that make any sense? Do you- no, definitely, because it's, it's one thing to hurt yourself. It's another thing to hurt yourself and benefit your opponent. Right. So I know what you're saying about yeah. that. So, and the course isn't going to cheat you, but you right. may have that sense about your opponent yeah. if there's no official. Oh, I've definitely heard that before. Right. Oh, they've called a couple close. See, I'm not worried about that call we just made. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, as a matter of fact, I mean, there's coaches that say, because sometimes people will blatantly cheat, and there are instances where you wish that that was a bad call, but right. honestly, but sometimes you know for a fact that they called it out, and you can tell. And then if there's no official, ultimately you feel like you have no – you have no really recourse uh, except to retaliate, make right. a retaliation call to make it "quote unquote" fair. Yeah, uh, and that's wrong-headed thinking for sure. Uh, we one year, uh, one thing I emphasized for my guys' team as an experiment is no reaction ever. Right. Not too high, not too low. If you miss a ball, you don't go down in the dumps or, you know, you know, yell or whatever. And the other side, you don't get too high. Oh, come on, let's go. Right. Any of that. And I did not allow them to question the opponent's call. Because in tennis, it's sort of, you know, not and sort that's of. such a dumb thing, by the well, way. Well, but it's not sort of. It's actually encoded in the rules that you, you know you are you sure i mean right. that's a that that's universal in it tennis is. if you if you right. if i'm playing against you you're probably going to be the one making the bad calls <laughs> so you make a call and i ask are you sure and you either have one response which is yes that's the only response or any other response now it's like well then if you're unsure it's my point right then that's why there's never been an, a response besides yes in the history of that question not true but <laughs> but nonetheless if that i've ever seen it happens more on the women's side because guys are a-holes. So it's That's like true. when I mean, you ask me, not only do I get pissy because you're questioning my integrity, but also <laughs> now it gets combative and we react with well, combative uh, you know, situations. No, like, there are more negative responses than yes. I will agree with that. I'm, I thought you meant that some people will say, oh, no, I wasn't. Let's, I'll give you the point. That never happens. Well, no, well I, on the women's side, it does. Because, really? Yeah, yeah, because I think sometimes – they're a little unsure, and I and I don't want to be sexist here because you know, depending on the personality type on the men's side as well, uh, and some some girls are, are more like men in this in this response. But yeah, if they are unsure, a little self conscious about making that call, they weren't yeah. sure, even though it's probably the good call. But they you know whatever, right. and then somebody also asks them, although that increases the doubt. Well, rarely do they ask them that politely. Right? Are, are you sure? Right, right, right. It's really what. 
Yeah. You got to be kidding me or whatever. <laughs> and then, they're, okay. And then they kind of relent. Most guys don't relent. That's crazy because I've never seen anyone relent. That's impressive. Yeah. On the men's side, I mean, it. Boy. That escalated quickly. <laughs> I mean, somebody ends up throwing a trident. Definitely. Uh, yeah. On the men's side. So on so, the men's side, I, it's it's not. It's definitely not a polite yes. It's yeah. You know, I called it out, didn't I? Like, like that's that's about <laughs> yeah. as nice as it'll get. Right. Um, well, the main, the question that always gets asked in college is how far it was out, and right. I'm like, hold on, let me get my ruler. <laughs> I mean, that's impossible. And see, someone, I had an old guy on my team that had the perfect response for questions like that, and he would, for, to that, he'd probably say, enough. Far you know, enough. Or something like that, yep. you know, and and I used to love, you know, or my favorite is when somebody would say, was that ball, you know, you hit a ball that looks like it might have been out, and they would say, did you think that was going out? And he'd say, who cares? <laughs> Which right. was like the perfect response. It doesn't matter. Like, you hit it, so it's irrelevant. That's um, funny, but anyway, so that, that so that's one aspect is that you're playing against someone. The other aspect, even at the professional level in golf, there's not a chair official at every tee box in golf, at right. every tee box, at every on every fairway and every green to watch every stroke you hit. Yeah, so you are just necessarily based on geography alone, if nothing else, on your own. Now you have other players to keep you honest, so to speak, like in college golf, the way they, you know, put teams together, uh, competing, you know, two colleges playing each other or four, you know, whatever in a tournament is the foursome on hole one. It's one player from all four schools. Right. So, you know, you don't want to have all your school on one hole. Right. Then they're all kicking balls out from my <laughs> trees and all kinds of hills breaking. Right. Loose. And I think that we definitely didn't bring up. We're not saying that all college, all golfers are saints. No, no, no. So, but the second, so the, so in golf, you have that aspect where you are, again, a majority of your round, not around an official. Right. So the only people to keep you, quote unquote, honest are the other players and you keeping them honest. But guess what? They're busy looking for the ball. They're busy getting a club out of the bag. They're busy doing whatever golfers do. For me, it's chunking the ball, you know, and it going three feet with (laughs) nine pounds of mud behind it. But that's, you know, that takes my attention away from my opponents. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, so, so in tennis though, at the professional level in particular, you have officials actually calling lines. Now at the league level and in most of the college, almost all college, you don't have them calling lines. They're only there to overrule you calling your own lines. So at the professional level, it reminds me of other sports where I'm not going to make a call on myself because this whole entire crew is here to do that, and they're not going to give me anything. They're not going to give him anything right. or her. If you're, and so therefore, I'm leaving it in their hands. Uh, it, it would take a pretty impressive person to call something on themselves, like something so imperceptible as a ball just nicking the top of your racket as it goes out, and you not yeah. saying anything. Um, because that's really one of the few things that's imperceptible on a tennis court when you have a full officiating crew. But at our level, you don't, and so I think it's a, it's a different a different aspect. So but what I've always, the part I've always hated about that it's not the fact that I'm stealing a point. That's the it's the hypocrisy of. I just imagine if that had happened to my opponent, if my opponent did that to me, I'd be furious. Right. So I can't imagine doing that to someone else. But you don't. So that's right. why you're furious. <laughs> Let me give you an example. Any other sport besides golf and tennis, football, European football, <laughs> i.e. soccer, um, basketball, hockey, where they have officials, neither team, you, you think a defensive back for the Steelers, we don't have any of those, but if we did, <laughs> I'm kidding, it's quarterbacks we don't have. <laughs> Do you think any DB would call themselves for pass? Ah, oh, no, no, I got them before the ball got there. No. No, but what annoys me is when they protest like they've just been shot, and then you see the <laughs> replay, and it's like the most obvious pass interference. Like, I don't expect you to walk up to the referee and say, hey, I held him on that play. Right. But when you are like 
screaming at the referee and yelling like, "What do you? What kind of call was that?" And then they show the replay, and he's holding him for five seconds. Well, that's the that's exact, what irritates me. That's the exact same scenario of a soccer player, you know, not even getting touched, right? But it was close, and so he does a double back somersault and falls on the ground, <laughs> writhing in in pain. And and the reason is is because the entirety of the game, from a rule standpoint, is governed, called, and, you know, by the on-field or in basketball, on-court, whatever, officials, whereas in our sport, all the way up to the pros, it's not. Right. So, I have played another game that is supposed to be a, a game for gentlemen and ladies is squash. Right. And it's a very upper-crust type, you know, prep school type sport for the most part. So, don't ask me why they let me play. <laughs> But on my college campus, we have squash courts. Right. And I, I used have to play there. Yep. And I, I used to play, a bunch of us coaches used to play, and they had some really good squash players that were there as well that were actual squash players, whether they were professors or whatever. And so I'd go play with those players who are actual squash players. And I mean, they beat the dog out of me, but they were the same species of player that I was from tennis. In other right. words, once I learned what the rules were supposed to be and what you were supposed to do, I followed suit similarly as I would in tennis. In other words, so you're in a squash court is like almost like a it's a, sm, a smaller version of a racquetball court. So you're inside enclosed, and you you have to hit the front wall with a ball. Well, one of the things you can do, particularly if you have elite racket skills like myself is you can hit a ball pretty soft and it hits the front wall and it bounces to one of the other walls right in the corner and dies. Right. Now, if I hit that from mid-court somewhere and the other guy's kind of right beside me and he just doesn't get there, no problem. However, if I'm in front of him, because again, it's like racquetball. You got two people next to each other. They could trip over each other and they're playing against each other. So if I'm in front of my opponent, and a ball comes right to me, and then I hit it in that corner, but I'm in the guy's way, there's two options depending on how, and this is just something I had to kind of learn, and I don't remember exactly the rules, so it doesn't matter, but the one option is it's a winner. The other option is it's a let, or the other option is I concede the point. Right Now, it's a winner if I didn't obstruct him. Yeah. So if I hit it, and I'm not even in his way, and he's beside me, and he doesn't get there, I win the point. If I hit it, and he just happens to be on the other side of me and couldn't get around me, we can play a let. Like you couldn't get out of the way fast enough, basically, right. or something like that. But if I'm in close enough to the to the, the corner and I did that, even though I had other options and I knew he couldn't get there, I would lose the point. Right. And you have to call that on yourself. With other squash players, it was not... There was nothing in that rule system that I was like, what? You got to do what? It right. was like, yeah, of course. This is a gentleman's game, yeah, yeah, a yeah. ladies' game, and it's fine. Fast forward to the next day or later <laughs> on when I played squash with some of our coaches. <laughs> Soccer. They're running over you. <laughs> basketball. They could not grasp the concept of surrendering of <laughs> Right. Because they spend their entire sport with a third party making all rule decisions. And, and so and there are people that get offended if you concede a point ever in anything. Like right. You're conceding a point. What what do you, what are you doing? We're trying to win. Right. And so they they play their sport, the entirety of their sport with officials making decisions, and guess what? Those officials are not infallible and most coaches would say blind right. and don't know the rules and are getting paid off. <laughs> And so you are trying to minimize how much they mess up giving you bad calls. Right. Even if it means going as far as trying to, like a baseball player in the batter's box, falling down and holding his arm. <laughs> Who did that? Somebody did that a couple years ago, several years ago. Well, I'm sure it happens. Even more than regularly. once. But yeah, like the, the, the ball like hit their bat way down by their hands, and he's like jumping around, shaking his yeah. hand like it hit his hand. And the slow-mo replay this day and age, it was like, it didn't even come close to his hand. Right. Hit, you know, whatever. And, but he got the base because it was a walk because he got hit. And should have gotten suspended. If it was golf, he'd have been suspended. For three years. <laughs> and so we are somewhere in the middle. We are not soccer yet. Right. We're not soccer yet, but we are certainly not golf anymore. And 
My question is this. Football is way more popular. Soccer is way more popular. Basketball is way more popular <laughs> in, in the U.S. anyway. Should we push further in that direction? Well, or should we try to rein it back in and get back to where golf is? Well, and we kind of, like, we all laugh when they show those old videos of Connors running and rubbing out the clay court mark, you know, in that match with Garolitis or whoever it was, and, like, McEnroe yelling at officials. So it's, I think that's kind of when it started, is when we started embracing these, you know, rule rebels. Um, and I think, like you said, it's it's accepting the fallacy of the officials as part of the issue. You know, it's like, why would they rely on the officials? They mess up so often. So I think that has a little bit to do with it, and that's come over from other sports. But I think the problem is it's getting to the lower levels too. I was actually really depressed watching the, the college championships on TV because there were so many bad calls that were getting overruled constantly. And, right. Uh, it was terrible, and it made me you know sad. Well, they had to change. So the Division One men don't have lets. Right. So if you serve, it hits a net and goes in the box, it's playable. And that was just to stop cheating. From what, that's the, yes. So if you hit a giant serve and ace me, I can just say let. Right. And it's over. You got to redo it. Which is cheating. Which is cheating. Right. So now, a whole separate issue is whether I think we should play lets. And I I think we should play Division I men's rules. If it hits the net and goes in on a serve, it's playable. Yeah. It it does on a forehand and a backhand. Yeah, you don't think for the cheating aspect, you just think it's consistent with the the rest rest of the rules. And... If the server whines, hey, it's your fault. You right. have the ability to hit the ball higher over the net. Right. Too bad. Everybody but me. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so, yeah. And so, if it can go over on the back end. But that's a separate issue. But but the idea is that they had to make that change because people would just call lets. And I don't even know how widespread it was, um, to be honest. Right. And, and really, the first place that you should go is, you know, an emphasis with the coaches on that. Say, hey, quit. Right. Contain your players, handle your business. Because everybody knows the programs or the players that are a little more suspect in that kind of stuff. So, um, well, but I think that's another problem with that. But to your point, you're sad that college tennis is sort of indicative of the direction tennis is going. You're right. Well, I feel like it's just trickling down. I mean, it's always been a problem in juniors, but juniors, you can understand. I mean, they're newer, they don't understand all the rules, they don't understand the, the, kind of camaraderie that you're building or right. theoretically supposed to build with your opponents and that kind of right. thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, golf, they wouldn't tolerate that. Right. And in tennis... I think as a culture, like other players, not just coaches, but your teammates, your opponents, you know, they wouldn't, as a group, allow one of their group members, i.e. a teammate or somebody you know at their club or whatever, to necessarily get away with that. I think. Right. Well, I could be wrong. I'm not in that world, but that's the perception I have. For tennis, you mean, or golf? Golf. No, yeah. And so in tennis, I coach, and I'm not singling out ladies. That just happens to be what I coach. I coach six ladies' teams a week. And about once a week or every two weeks, we play a team, and there's some incident that happens, and our team captain will say, well, yeah, we kind of have problems with Shirley every once in a while. And the other team will say, <laughs> well, we have problems with Joanne every once in a while. And so these players that are known to bend or break the rules – Right. are still allowed on these teams. And I have teams that are the same. So it's like there's not a harsh penalty for someone who is a known rule breaker. When you're playing, you're coaching grown up, so you're definitely yeah. in a different position. I, you know, with, with, a, with a team setting, or if I coach juniors, it's certainly a different scenario. Um, but yeah, I, I think that s- scenario you're explaining is pretty universal across all levels outside of the itty bitty i mean because here's the difference there's a difference between making bad calls honestly so to speak i mean you might miss a call yeah i mean you're running across the court you're literally your eyes are bouncing up and down inside their sockets which makes me want to throw up i can't think about (laughs) stuff like that but anyway and so it's difficult to maintain good vision on you know a spot with a ball moving etc etc and so you might make a bad call that you feel like you're sure of, and that's fine. Right. It's the other, th- you know, the other thing, the the problems with Shirley. If you quote, <laughs> I'm quote unquote. I'm glad sh- there's no Shirley at my club. Is there? Uh, no. Did you accidentally? <laughs> no. Did you accidentally? Surely I wouldn't do that. Spill the beans. Uh, Shirley, you can't be serious. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. And don't call me Shirley. 
There you go. So Shirley is now sorry for every Shirley out there. Starting with Shirley <laughs> Temple has ruined your. No, I'm uh, you ruined because oh. now every Shirley that's a nickname for a cheater. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever met a Shirley actually on the tennis court. But anyway, huh. but but it's funny how we'll say, well, she's got a great forehand, but you know, watch out for her line calls. But I mean, like, right? But like, why should a person like that be on a team? Like that just shouldn't be right acceptable. But it I'll is. tell you why, particularly at the club level, because they pay a lot of money and all the rest and because of because they win their matches, and that could be some right. of it too. And that trickles down to the college level as well. I mean, right. y- You know, it's just like anything else. Like the in the immortal wor- words of uh, uh, the 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 best Cowboys coach other than Tom Landry, <laughs> um, he said, I, "I don't treat everybody." The same, but I treat everybody fair. Yeah, you know. So Michael Irving is, you know, right. doing cocaine off a stripper's <laughs> back and shows up to the game uh, still hungover and, and, and whatever. Two touchdowns. But you know, his lineman, who's like the third string, misses a, a meeting by a minute, and he's, you know, he was off the team. But uh, so yeah, it happens. But but that's where tennis is falling with those other sports. Exactly. They, they value right. winning over behavior, or you know. Following the rules or whatever. By the way, just just a, I, I forgot to finish up on the story I was telling you about when I uh, two years ago we experimented with the men's team on not allowing them to react, but right. uh, but including and that was the base of it. But it included questioning an opponent's call. Right. Not even are you sure? Yeah. Like literally, they were to assume that that call was correct, regardless of where, even if it landed in the middle of the court and they called it out, you just move on. Yeah. We played fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, there's nothing to think about. It, well, there's yeah, there's nothing to take you because I'll tell you, you might hit a, hit win that point by arguing. Maybe you get them to change your call or whatever, right. but you end up losing the next two. Yeah, you know it just it. And so anyway, so that's neither here My nor there. My only fear for that because I've had that discussion with people, but the only counter to that is I've said by not saying anything, you're letting them know they can get away with it. And that's the only thing that right. I've not liked about offering that strategy. I think, oh, they didn't even notice that I called that one wrong. I can do that again, you know, when I get a chance. Right. Which is which I can't get in the psychology of a cheater because I'm you not ha- a cheater. You have to go all in, though. Yeah. You know, and 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 that's what we did, and it worked out for us. We didn't lose a single match because of bad calls, not one. And I totally agree with you that anytime I've gotten in a dispute over calls, it's negatively affected my game. Right. For more it, than just that point. Yeah. So, oh, your backhand gets even worse after? No. <laughs> well, All it's right. halfway up the net instead of the top of the net. Right. All right. So here's here's a, from the code. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's the section, the rule section in the Friend at Court, which is the USTA's rule book. The Bible of tennis. Oh, baby. Making calls. Player makes calls on own side of the net. <laughs> own side of net. There's no the there. A player calls all shots landing on or aimed at the player's side of the net, right? So you are the dictator of calls. Like right. there's no uh, higher authority no. on your side of the net than you when it comes to making calls. The second part, or not second part, but the next one. Opponent gets benefit of doubt. And so what that ends up being, similar to soccer, the, the equivalent of rolling around on the ground until you, the official feels bad enough to call a, a foul. Right. A f- opponent gets benefit of the doubt. So a player should always give the oppo- give opponent benefit of any doubt. When a match is played without officials, the players are responsible for making decisions, particularly for line calls. There is a subtle difference between player decisions and those of an on-court official. Um. Anyway, the point being, if you don't know, if you're not 100, percent right, then you give them the point, and so that's why you get that. Oh, that was out. Are you yeah. sure? What did I call? Right, because you're trying to act like you're 100, percent even though you know dong on well you weren't. <laughs> right. All right. Um, ball touching any part of the line is good. I mean, these are all rules we know. Right. But it's things that like you you think people don't know. Yeah. You you think people don't know so. Um, well, and I've even joked that a ball three inches out, I'm not 100% sure was out. Like, maybe I didn't see it clearly. Maybe the sun was in my eye. Maybe, you know, 
That's what I mean. A bulb to me has to be an inch or more out for me to call it. It's got to be like blatant. I've got to know that it was out if I'm going to call it. All right. So I read those. Those are all we know those rules. Here's the one that I don't know if anybody realizes or knows, but it's a fact. It's in the rule book, in the code. Number 11. Requesting opponent's help. When an opponent's opinion is requested and the opponent gives a positive opinion, it must be accepted. If neither player has an opinion, the ball is considered good. Aid from an opponent is available only on a call that ends a point. So if We've you, talked about that long ago. Yeah, right. If you and I are playing, I hit a first serve that's quote-unquote an ace. Right. And you feel like it could have been out. Yeah, so I'm not sure. You're not sure. So, so the, most people just think, oh, it's in and that's over. Or you could because you're a sport. Right. I, I didn't see it. But you know that if it was down the tee, and I'm, I'm serving right from the center mark. I serve it. I'm looking dead right down the center line. Right. And so I, can, I probably have the best view even better than you. Yeah. Because you're dealing with trying to deal with it. You know, right. it's right on top of you. Or you're right on top of it. So you can say, and again, it was an A, so the point's oh, you didn't get it back, uh, which is how most of my serves end up when I'm playing you. <laughs> We've never played each other. I've never life. returned one of your serves. There you go. So you can say, you can ask me, you know, was that in? Right. Or was that out or whatever? And I am obligated to tell you the truth if I'm 100%. Right. Now, more times than not, Particular, I, really, to be honest with you, any in any any time <laughs> right. I've done this, I would I would call it like if I missed it by a decent amount, yeah, and I'm a hundred percent sure, and you don't even ask me, I'll say no, no, that was out second serve. Yeah, I mean I've done that countless times. Me too. Not recently because I don't play anymore. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I've done that countless times. But in, in fairness to the rule book, you would have to ask my opinion you know, right. for help of the opponent. And if you ask me, I'm obligated to tell you the truth as far as I know it. Now, it, I, I'm not going to, if I'm not sure, but I feel like this probably was, but right. I, I could have caught, then I've got to say, I, I don't know. And, and therefore, it's, my, it's an ace and it's my point. Uh, but if I 100% know, I'm supposed to tell you. Now, if that's not the ep- epitome of what you know we're talking about trying to be more like golf, then, then I don't know what it is. And I guarantee you nobody even realizes that's a thing. No, and I, I think I told this story a couple of years ago when this came up, but I have a guy that I play with occasionally, and you know, he comes to the net a lot, and so I'll hit a passing shot, and he won't see it clearly a lot of times because he's still running in or whatever. And I always, I always will shake my head when he says, hey, was that in? And I'll say, I'll, 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 my head will go down. I'll say, no, it was out. I'll, I will hate when he asks me because I have to tell the truth. Right. So I'll begrudgingly give him the point, but I'm not going to lie and say, yeah, of course my shot was in, you know? Right. But now, like you said, I'm not... But you got to be fair to yourself. Yeah, and I'm not going to voluntarily, you know, if he says good shot, I'm not going to say, well, really, it was that. I mean, like you said, if it's blatant, I will. Yeah, but... Because I don't want credit for a shot that's not in. And you have to be fair to yourself in the sense that he may have a better view than you yeah. on the other side. I mean, particularly at the baseline, obviously, but... um you know, so there certainly has to be some level of, you know, um, you know, you got to temper a little bit. You don't yeah. walk out there being a hero. You're not trying to be a tennis martyr. And I'm um, not, and I don't want credit. If I made a bad shot, I don't want to win the point. Like maybe that's my kind of self-deprecating self, but I want to get credit for the shots I made, not the shots I didn't make. Um, right. So well, here this is so here's so pl- uh, number thirteen. Player calls own shot out. With the exception of the first serve, a player should call out the player's own shots if the player clearly sees the ball out, regardless of whether player whether requested to do so by an opponent. There you go. The prime objective in making calls is accuracy. All players should cooperate to attain this objective. And that so, rule is 100% not followed. No, 1,000%. I do. Right. And but I, would you do it in a doubles match? Yeah. So even with your, even though your partner's yeah. gonna look back and say, "What are you doing?" We had that point. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> That's when it gets hard for me to do it. Yeah, because you've got. Yeah, and even more so in a team concept when you're playing, you know, 
for a team of seven other people. Right, but I think that's that culture thing. If if I'm playing with somebody and I, you know, he hits a first serve and nobody calls it, I'm like, no, no, you missed that one. And if he loses his mind, then that's probably the last doubles match I'll play with. And I've had that happen. I had two people never play together again because the guy overruled his partner's call. It wasn't on his partner's shot; it was his partner's call. And he said, "Don't ever put me with him again." Right. And it's like, don't ever put me put you with you again for telling the truth. I mean, it was silly, but. That's considered the cardinal sin of tennis is like calling a ball, overruling your partner in other, in other words. Right. Here's another rule that I think maybe it's 50-50 on whether. It, so you requesting my help. Right. Nobody knows that no. exists. Me calling my own unsolicited by my opponent. Right. Nobody knows they that be, exists. If that happened in a women's TCD match, somebody might have a heart attack. They will be furious. <laughs> but that's a rule. And here's a rule that's probably 50-50. Out calls reversed. So if you and I are playing a baseline point and a ball lands on my baseline or around my baseline right as I'm about to hit it and I right. call it out and then but I hit the ball back in the court. Right. People always try to play that as a let. Well, and about 5 to 6 years ago it was. And are they, you sh- yeah, they changed that rule. Maybe in league play, not in college. Yeah, in in USTA they changed that maybe longer than that now, but there it was a time where it was a let. Not in college. So it's, it's never, never been. been. Yeah, no. in, in USTA it was a let, and they changed it a few years ago because they said, you made a bad call, you get punished. Right. Um, but you know, the way that, of course, here's how, the, this is another problem, this is how the league players interpreted it. They said, well, I get punished for telling the truth. It's like, well, yeah, you told the truth after you lied. <laughs> right. So, right. because you could throw up an overhead, they're going to kill and replay the point. How's that fair? Right, exactly. Um, so the idea, though, is that Regardless of whether you had an advantage or not, the bottom line is you. St- it's it's almost like a, a, a you know stopping the point right for a Hawkeye review. Yeah, if you stop the point, you're you lost the point unless it was out. Right, you don't play a let because you stopped the point. Right, it, 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 yeah. Once you say we out, don't everybody know, stops. Yeah, and theoretically, we don't know if you would even made that next shot. Even if it did go in, you sort of out. You know, whatever. Right, and so. People, a lot of times, players will try to reverse, make that a let, and I guess, I don't know, that doesn't seem right to me, but in colleges, I, I don't ever remember that being a let. Yeah, it um, used to be a let, and I think there were so many, t- there were actually people that were smart enough to abuse it, you know, they were in trouble on the ball, <laughs> there always and they would, say, they would say, they would say, out. oh, sorry, it was in, we replay that, even though they were way out of position and off the court, and the other two guys, people were at the net salivating. So I think that's why they ultimately changed it. And here, and here are two that happen in college quite a bit. One is spectators making calls. They never make calls. They have no authority whatsoever. But players will always ask, you know, or or, or argue that their teammates saw it in, right. or you're cheating because my teammate said yeah. it was in. Who cares? It doesn't matter. But the other one is this. This is, and you probably run across this a lot as well in doubles. Partners disagreeing. Right. Now, it depends on what the disagreement that is. That just happened today. Right. depends on what, if, if you and I are on the same team, God forbid, <laughs> and we're playing doubles. In Undefeated a, duo. Uh, obviously. And you, a ball lands on our side to me. Right. And I don't see it. I just don't know. Right. So, therefore, I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. But you call it out. We're in disagreement. Right. You saw it out. I don't know. Yeah. What's the call? Out. It's out. Right. Because I don't know. I didn't call it in. I didn't, you know, see it 100% in. I just couldn't make the and call. And I've heard people say, well, you're not sure, so it's in. Well, both people don't need to be sure. Right. Well, if one person's sure and the other one's doesn't say anything or doesn't call it, it's still out. Right. Now, the disagreement is if I clearly see it out, you clearly see it in, right. it's in. Well, and what we've had is, you know, I say good shot and my partner says, oh, no, that was out. It's like, well, too bad. I already said good shot. And I've heard people, I've heard people argue, say, well, good shot doesn't necessarily mean it was in. It's like, have you ever known a good shot that wasn't in? Yeah, I, I think it can. <laughs> I mean, because uh, a lot of times people will do the clap thing or whatever, like, man, facetiously, <laughs> like, okay, I suck, but I can't say I suck, so I'm <laughs> clapping. But yeah, I mean, I still think you can discern y- your decision. Was right. it, well, I clearly... Well, if someone su- slams an overhead... 100 miles an hour i might say good shot as they're hitting it and then oh nope that landed out and then it's i think your, that's fine yeah but as they're hitting it's their point because you right but anyway <laughs> but yeah so but clear disagreement i don't think a lot of people know that no and, and again all of this comes down to the combative nature 
uh, between two players that I'm not going to give an inch, you're not going to give an inch, including on ca- calls and rules. And so you, you, so all those sort of um, instances we talked about are, are sort of what sticks out to me as some of the issues. Well, and here's my two coaching things that I will tell people. I will say, number one, if the match has been friendly, give them the benefit of the doubt at all times. You know, if it weren't sure if it was let or not, replay it. If you weren't sure the call, call it in. All that. You know, once that level of sportsmanship is gone on their side, then you fight for every rule and, you know, all you know. Like, I'm not going to argue if they hit a shot that I think was a double bounce and they say it wasn't. If they've been, they've been friendly calls all the way through and nothing's happened, I'm not going to argue with them. Right. You know, if, they, if we've had all kinds of questionable things happen throughout, I'm going to fight for that, even though if they say it, there's nothing I could do. Yeah. But I'm not just going to sit there and do nothing. If there's been several instances, I'm going to say, you know, you guys have called three of our shots out. You know, you called a let on my serve, wasn't a let, and now this, you know. Right. Um, what's going on here? What's the deal? That's but why there's I'm, no reason to have that dispute in incident one. No, that's a, that's why you that's why you do the reverse incident one. The very first point, <laughs> they hit a ball towards the baseline. You call it out, right. reverse yourself, give them the point, <laughs> then you can cheat you the go. rest of the match. <laughs> uh, that didn't help my cause here for the. Right. All right, so here's one rule I think people do follow. Oddly enough, so if you play a ball. And, you, and it was out, and you hesitate to make the call, you miss the shot or whatever, and you're like, that was out. I should have called right. it. I should have called it. But they don't yeah. take the point. Sometimes they do, and usually it's in those matches where it has been cordial, and you both are. Like, if you and I played each other, and I called a ball late, I feel comfortable calling it out late. Right. Even if I miss the shot. Yeah. Because sometimes, honestly, honestly, it really can occur that – it processes in your mind after two seconds when you're like, what just happened? My eye, I saw it was out. It was definitely out, you know, but, but if, in a contentious match, you bet out immediately. <laughs> right. Or you're, you know, you're But I was going to say, what if it's been a totally friendly match and you do that? And I say, really, you're calling that out? Like, or the, the equivalent of, are you sure? Like, are you sure that seemed like you already missed your shot? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you would probably if, still concede the point in that case. If you asked me that, I would say I, it was a late call. Yeah, I'll, I'll, and I missed the shot. I, because then it's not it's irrelevant what actually happened. Yeah, it's because you're not supposed to make late calls. Right. But in my mind, the, the the only out in that regard is wait a second. The reality of the world is that the ball landed right. out? What's well, like you said? It's that's what the rule said. It's accuracy over everything. Right. Am I going to be happy if they made a late call? No, but number one, I probably know that it was out myself. Now, here's the thing. This is a, we'll finish on this because we, we're spending almost an hour on <laughs> why we suck and golf is better. <laughs> so, generally speaking... We could, all, by the way, spend three hours on why tennis is better than golf, but that's a later it, episode. It really, truly is. But <laughs> in this instance... So I think both of us would agree that we need to move back closer to golf and further away from soccer. Yes. Okay. Even when there's officials on the court. I mean, Federer should be calling a ball that hits his shirt that nobody sees. Right. Um, so I think the idea that our sport is better than other sports doesn't, in my mind, doesn't just stem from the fact that, you know, we just like it and we played it longer or whatever. I, I do think there's an air of, I, mean, I don't want to say cockiness, but to some degree that, that we're better if we return to being a sport of ladies and gentlemen. Right. And I think we can hold ourselves, hold a certain air about ourselves if we do that. If not, we slide right into being every other scrappy sport, et cetera. And, and I think that does hurt us. I think that takes away a little prestige, if you will. Uh, what do you think about that? No, I agree with you. And I think there, in every sport, there are some things that it's the referee official umpire's job to call. But yeah. there are always some things that are your, the player's job to call. I don't expect a pitcher to call balls and strikes ever. Right. Even if it's the most obvious. And number one, if you argue with the umpire, you get a different set of problems. Right. I mean, but 
there are certain things, like you said, a ball hitting you, you know, a double bounce. You know, those things are player's responsibility, and, right. and, and the player has the best knowledge of those more than anyone else. Right. So I think that from that aspect, it has to be on, on the players themselves more than anybody else. And here's one more aspect that it will kind of flip this around a little bit. And really, other sports should listen to this. So you think about a boxing match, and you are thinking, you know, is a tell me answer this question: Is a boxing match a cooperative or a competitive event? You got two guys, two guys or girls trying to punch each other in the face. I feel like you're setting me up for failure, but I'll say competitive. Okay, competitive. In other words, you against me. Right. However, <laughs> however, we both step into the ring, and we both agree to not kick each other. Right. Except for Mike Tyson, not bite each other. <laughs> Nobody listening remembers that. Oh, they, trust me, they all do. There they better. Go. They better. We agree that, you know, rounds will be three minutes. We agree that, you know, all the rules and everything that goes into a, a, no an endeavor, we agree to this. So in actuality, we're cooperating, even with our opponents. Right. We set these rules forth. And so even, you know, so you hear, oh, we don't want our kids to compete too early because, you know, all the whatever. But even in competitive arenas, there's still cooperation. I mean, as a society, we agree that, you know, peewee football, all these kids are going to learn things and their dads aren't going to freak out and fight in the stands. <laughs> well, some of them don't listen. Right. But in an ideal world, done the ideal way, even peewee football, competitive, but it's also cooperative. NFL, same thing. You agree to these sets of rules and you all say, we'll follow those. And so the way I've always explained it when I'm teaching little kids or even, you know, you know, preteen or teen level kids, not you know, maybe college, although the same thing applies, is that if you call a ball out that hit the line, you are playing some other game. Right. Because tennis, the rule is if it hits the line, it's in. Yeah. And so you are actually not playing what we're playing. Yeah. And therefore, you know, you're either not going to be a part of this team or you should, you know, whatever the case, as a coach, whatever, right. you know, mechanism I use to hopefully correct that behavior. But that's the idea that, yeah, we're competing to win a match, but we have agreed on so many other things that go into that match uh, that the level of cooperation, and I'm not talking about touchy-feely hippie stuff where we all win. No, no, no. I want to beat people. Right. I want to win matches, and et cetera. But the idea is, is that we can take something into it that, wow, we're all working together and cooperating in this sport. And the more you chip away at the little parts of the outsides of the rules, the more you break down our sport because of that notion that now you're no longer cooperating. And eventually we're just going to be out there with hatchets, you know, and, and, and trying to beat each other to death because none of the rules are being followed. Well, and I even had a small microcosm of that today in my match, but at some point, we were tied, whatever, 2-2, two, 1-2, two, two, whatever it was. And I told my partner, I said, if they, they hit two winners in a row or something, I said, if they can hit winners every time, then that's fine. They deserve to win. And I think that's the mentality of, I'm fine with my opponents getting rewarded for hitting great shots. Right. That doesn't bother me. It's not an like, affront to you as a human being. It's no. like, the rest of it is, though, if they're cheating, that is. Whereas some people, I've heard, this is one of the worst things I've heard from tennis players is, you know, lucky this wasn't a playoff match. I would have called that out. Or luckily this match didn't count. You know, and it's like so you're basically saying if the match is more important, I would have cheated. I mean, right? If they hit a shot on the line, they deserve the point. They hit that precisely of a shot on the line. Like that's literally the goal is to hit it as close to the line as possible without hitting it out. I mean, in in, in theory. So well, it's funny because somewhere in that rules in those rule areas as well, they were talking about that too. That, um, that all the rules apply equally to every single point. There is no point or game yeah. or match that's more important than another. So I just think that that's something that we've lost a little bit in tennis. Like, it's okay for the opponent to hit a great shot. Or a lot. Like, yeah. Or a lot. Right. But it's okay for them to hit a winner shot that I can't return. I don't need to, you know, call the next one out or distract them or, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell the story of our league match lately. We had the woman walking towards the service box every time our player served. And, you know, and it was like, <laughs> she did it every single right. point. And, 
you know, it's just like that's not the goal is not to get our opponents to miss by doing some something outside the rules. Right. You're not cooperating anymore. Society is i.e. tennis society is breaking down when you do those things. Yeah. Um, now, not to be goofy or corny or but I'm serious about this stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and I don't just mean because of this dumb game, but if you could carry these sort of things into real life, don't you think everything would be better? Right. Uh, if we could agree that, oh, wait a second, we're all cooperating on a lot of things in this country. We're all cooperating on a lot of things. And yeah, we can have disagreements. You can hit winners. I can hit winners. Look at that. <laughs> I'm really milking this uh, analogy. <laughs> You know, it w- I think things. W- everybody in the world would be a lot better off if, if we realized that there were a lot of these rules we both agree upon. Right. And let's try to play within these rules. Because ultimately, in tennis in particular, ultimately, you can walk... I, I, certainly, I'm more proud of my players when they walk off a court and haven't questioned a single call. Yeah. And just played tennis, win or lose... Didn't make any bad calls, or if they did, they reversed. You know all the and things we talked the about. Opponent and shook hands with the opponent. Don't and- care if they compliment them. No, no, no. I'm serious. I don't. Yeah. I mean, we're both here playing, and and right. it's fine. Uh, and a lot of that stuff, a lot of that clapping of the racket nonsense is all, you know, it's, <laughs> right. it's ironic. It usually is sarcastic. Yeah, and then as soon as the match is over, regardless of how contentious or how much you would have fought for it or whatever, it's hey, we you're not shaking hands in cementing the fact that they beat you. Right. You're cementing the fact that, thank you, we just agreed on a set of rules, cooperated in within those rules to try to compete with, and find a winner. And that's the only and time we did. people don't shake hands, by the way. It's not because they lost or because the score. It was because somebody broke that protocol right. of the cooperation. You're exactly right. Usually. Right. I mean, some people are just maniacs and, and whatever, but yeah. Well, sometimes they're the ones that broke the cooperation, so they don't shake hands. But Right, <laughs> right. But, Usually it was broken by someone. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, that was a, sp- a very special episode of <laughs> the Tennis Revolution. Pod- Remember, they used to have those special episodes. Uh-huh. And I don't. We didn't come up with any solutions to fix any of this, but hopefully, just drawing people's attention to it. Yeah, we did. I, well, no, we didn't. But the there the the solutions are there. Yeah. Now your league ladies solution is following the rules. Well, no, your league ladies. I mean, I don't begrudge you for not enforce it you're not they're not children right and you're not their leader so to speak whereas if you're teaching juniors particularly brand new juniors to the game that's where it starts and and it drives me crazy that everybody only wants to work with the quote-unquote elite juniors and the real world it's almost like teachers like kindergarten teachers oh they you know they're doing god's work they're the most important people uh not really but they are important right and and so the ones that are getting people into the game, first of all, growing the game, but also setting them forth on a path towards playing tennis, they can do it the right way. And it's not just developing their strokes and the good foundations for, for their game, but a good foundation for what kind of people and players they're going to be. And guess what? Ultimately, what kind of people they're going to be because it does carry over oh, with definitely. without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, the same person that will call a ball out on themselves unsolicited by their opponent is the same person that will find somebody's wallet and the only reason they open it is to find the address or, or a phone number to call them. Right. There's no phone numbers and wallets, what I'm talking <laughs> about. But anyway, uh, you know, and not, you know, write down credit card numbers and take the cash out and throw it in the garbage. Um, there is a correlation, I do believe. And similar to that first T program, I think, I think there should be some sort of, not just quick start for short rackets and, and, you know, short courts and bouncy balls, but I think some of that integrity business should be instituted as well. Yeah, and I think it could be as simple as, you know, first tournament you play, you got to answer these 20 questions. And every question you answer wrong, it's going to come with an explanation of, like, for example, should you call a ball out on yourself when you see it? And they answer no. And it's going to correct them and say yes, and here's the rule, and here's why, you know. Maybe, maybe. Um, well, I, I, now their parents are going to fill it out and do whatever and not well, the, tell the kids. That, but That too. <laughs> well, there's a jun- the juniors in even the highest level tournaments in Texas, the, the sectional tournaments or whatever, they have a printed out statement they have to read. The, so that each player, when they check in for their first match, 
they both have they have to read aloud oh, the, interesting. this statement to the tournament desk. Wow. Every player does it. And I made a large amount of fun of that <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. But then I took a minute and I asked somebody that runs tournaments, a lot of junior tournaments, et cetera, and and again, agreed this is completely anecdotal and, and, and may not matter across this whole entire spectrum of junior tennis, but this person said that since they've been doing that, they have seen a decrease. And they didn't give me a percentage, they didn't give me a number, but they definitely said that behavior, bad behavior has decreased. And 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 some so something as simple as a twenty question test as they get into their first tournaments, uh, set them in the right direction. But it, but ultimately, it really starts with the coaches. If if you have a coach that says, "Why do you read that statement before you play a junior tournament? Yeah. What does it mean? Right? How can you implement it? You know, what are you going to do if your opponent doesn't implement it? Um, you're not going to retaliate. Call so right. don't you know? It, <laughs> so it, just the statement may help a little. But not to any degree if the coaches aren't doing their job. So that's the that's the solution, right? Uh, league ladies, no, of course not. <laughs> you know, well, they could put that same form in a you know league. It doesn't mean they're gonna. It's gonna change them at this point, right? But I used to have a guy that I worked with, and if there was a conflict on a court, now this is partly out of laziness, but he would go out to that court because we if, if a non officiated tournament, he'd go out of that court and say, "Look, if I have any more problems from this court." You're both out of the tournament. Ooh, I like it. And yeah, that's punishing the person who's not doing anything wrong. But he was basically saying what we're talking about. He was saying the cooperation here is broken. Right. You both fix it or you're done. I like it. And and I loved it. I mean, when he was saying it, like, again, he wasn't saying it for that reason. He was saying because he didn't want to stand out in the court and watch. <laughs> well, yeah, that but, too. But also it's like, you know, when 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 it's unofficiated, which probably is 98% of all tennis played in the United States. Yeah. It's definitely almost childish. No, 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 not almost. It is childish <laughs> yeah. to have to call an official to the court, regardless of whose fault it is. Now, I, I am I am one hundred percent behind the idea of, you know, I, I'm against the idea of a parent, you know, two siblings are fighting and you know, and and one of the one of them says, He started it and then right. the parent says, It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. <laughs> if you just are minding your own business, right. your brother punches you in the face, <laughs> it matters. Right. And so if you're the other person and and the player's just a piece of garbage, it matters. But at the same time, you're grown ups and figure out a way to work it out. And if if it's not, I yeah, I'm I i I maybe not as harsh as that guy, but well, I do but I, I think, like the general direction of what he's but doing. But the easy solution is okay they play and nothing else happens. Whoever the kid that plays again, well, if they get, he gets called out there for the second time, that kid, okay, wait, who's the common denominator here? I've been called out in this kid twice. Like then yeah. I'm going to say something to that kid. Like I've been called to your court two times. You don't clean it up. You're out of the tournament. Right. So I think there is an easy solution to that. Um, but I think, you know, whatever it takes in that instant to make the behavior stop is fine. Well, and I also think making sure people understand that, if there is an issue, you know whether it's you or not. Right. And I may not ever know, but just know that you're garbage. <laughs> if it's adults. If it's right. kids or not. Kids can't be garbage. <laughs> Their parents can't be, but yeah. they, they can't be. So anyway. All right. I think we've solved all the problems of tennis. We have. That would go a long way. If people, if, if it just automatically everybody naturally followed what we're talking about, I, I think the popularity of our sport may increase because I think it's more accessible than golf. And if there was that component to teaching like the first T program, I think there would be more of an incentive for parents to get their kids into it because it, it's like martial arts, that kind of thing, the discipline or whatever. I, there would be an added benefit besides just a sport. Yeah. So we need to have a first T program. Maybe it's out there. If it is call in, um, if it's similar to the first T program, but I think, I think that would be good. Maybe we'll start one. Yeah. I doubt it. <laughs> All right. Anything else? That's it. That was a good one. No corner? No. Nope. Put you in the corner if you make bad calls. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. That was fun. I like getting into the things like that because yeah. it applies to every tennis player. Well, and it also reinforces why I love this sport. I mean, I love the sound of a forehand coming off crisp strings. I love the smell of freshly strung rackets, the sound of a, a ball can opening. 
all that kind of stuff. There's so many things, the history, everything, you know, I've done in tennis or, or that I have benefited from because of tennis, of course. But what tennis is, I, like I said, I had a little air of cockiness or we're better than other sports, except golf. Um, <laughs> but at least we run. Yes. So we got that. All right. So anyway, all right. Well, that's enough of that. We'll get back to, you know, talking bad about the next gen and everything else later. But until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Bye, guys. Cooperate. <laughs>